pals, welcome to Team Up Moves. I'm Fiona. And I'm Stephanie. And this is the podcast where we play superhero-themed role-playing games and then talk about them. We've got a new run. Steph, what are we playing this month? We are playing a beautiful game called Spectaculars. It is written by Rodney Thompson and published by Scratchpad Publishing. And it comes with some features we want to tell you about before we dive into the play. The first is that it looks like a board game in ways that most RPGs do not. It comes in a box with physical written pads that you write on and trays and cards. So it, it looks pretty cool and colorful. And the second thing we want to tell you about is that it comes with four pre-generated settings. There is an eldritch magic-y setting. There is a low-powered street-level heroes setting. There is a Silver Age fight on Earth in the cities, villains versus heroes setting. And there is a space adventure setting called Clash Among the Stars, or Cats for short. And since we like space and cats... Yeah, we do. We have chosen Clash Among the Stars for our setting today. Yeah, we are going to space. Space. And our superheroes are, well for some value of superheroes, are going to be going off and having adventures on a starship. Just mechanically, so you get a sense of of what you're going to hear, our characters are built with between one and three superpowers, and these are coming on some of those cards that Steph mentioned. And they're things like laser blast or particle form, that sort of thing. And as part of character creation, the heroes slot those in as like a major power a minor power, and like a little other power. And the difference among those three is the probability of success when the character uses the power. This is a D100 system. It's called the 100 AC system. So during the game, we're going to be rolling probability dice and trying to basically roll lower than a target percentage. So if it's a 90% power, rolling anywhere from 1 to 90 is going to be a success to use it. Another neat part of the system is the AC part. That stands for advantage and challenge. And those are separate dice. The advantage dice are D8 and the challenge dice are D10. And you roll a certain number of those dice. Sometimes you roll none at all. Sometimes, depending on what the rules tell you to do, you roll one or two or even four advantage or challenge dice. And they don't tell you whether you hit or succeed. They tell you whether other stuff happens. And if the advantage dice come up with the advantage symbol, then good stuff happens. You get boons. Boons. And if the challenge dice come up with the challenge symbol, you get either bad stuff or just complications, things that make your life weirder and might be seeds for the next adventure moment. So this is a fast-moving system, sort of on the scale of mechanisms. There's uh, a bit less to it than, say, Sentinel Comics and a lot less than Champions. So we were able to to move through this and really focus on the characters in the story, and we had a great time. We've got some really great guests, Stephanie. We really do. So I think that we should stop delaying and just get to it. What do you say? Yes. All right, let's go to the tape. Okay, let's get into it. Stephanie, how are you doing today? I am super excited to go into space. 
Yeah, yeah, we have not yet done that. And Spectaculars gave us the option. So space, we're going to go. It is a space program. We are in the space program. Welcome to the space program. I think I think the space program tends to have significantly less bounty hunters and ship stealing. But, you know, maybe we'll get into that. At, at this point, I'm not so sure. Uh, privatization, everyone. Cool. So, uh, but we got some guests and oh my goodness, very, very excited on this. Returning to Team Up Moves, they played Aubrey Jean in our run of Mutant City Blues. They're also on TikTok dispensing wisdom about queer books and dealing with executive function. Shana Hausman. Shana, welcome back to Team Up Moves. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm excited to go to space. All right. Good, good. You're in the right place then. Space is the place. Is, is it time for me to introduce our other guest? Yeah, yeah, it is. I am just about to just discorporate with excitement, but I'm going to hold it together long enough to tell you that today our other player is the amazing, amazing novelist and short story writer and creator of other things, Seanan McGuire, whose many, many accomplishments include relatively recently some amazing standalone non-realist novels such as Middle Game, which absolutely took over my brain, the long-running and just super exciting and fun October Day series, the Wayward Children series, which I keep buying and giving to people, and I recommend that you do the same. The most recent Wayward Children book out this month, January 2023, is Lost in the Moment and Found, and also a set of extremely accomplished, terrifying novels under the name Mira Grant, some of which include mermaids. She is based in greater Seattle with many cats and is amazing. Uh, Shauna McGuire. Hi. Hi. Thank you all for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, are the, 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 the cats understand to you know stay out of space? No. Okay. Uh, in fact, the cats are monitoring me very closely. Uh, Elsie is currently making like the noble nudibranch. All of her limbs have fallen off and she is perfectly <laughs> loafed to the right of my chair. Having finished her attempts to have carnal knowledge of a box of Magic the Gathering chaff that I am sorting. So she's all done with that for now. So far, it is entirely possible, being Elsie and thus the most unpredictable of my many felines, that she will shortly resume body slamming the box. And then there will be a break in gameplay for me to ask the cat to please stop doing that very loudly, vigorously, and possibly with frantic flailing. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are set up for that. With the tragic flailing is Elsie's, not yours, right? Uh, that is a negotiable interpretation of the word frantic. She is very good at dancing out of the way, but she's also a 19-pound Maine Coon, so she is not graceful Okay, as cats go. Maine Coons are sort of happy little hippos wrapped in cat skin. Oh no, hippos are dangerous. Giant babies. We should probably move on. So we are uh, we are going to space. We are going to do some some superheroing in space. So I wanted to you know kind of start out with this and get to know who is here for space. So I want to go around and y'all can kind of introduce your characters a little bit about maybe what they look like, what their powers are, a bit of their backstory, and uh, then we'll get into New Arcadia and see uh, you know what's gonna what's gonna happen when someone tries to steal steal your spaceship. But that will happen later. First, Shannon, who have you brought to play today? I have brought a Lily. Goes by Lily. She is from the worst libertarian planet in her entire sector of the galaxy. I forgot that you have to know what characters look like, so I have no idea whatsoever what she looks like. I'll think about that. But on her planet, 
ownership of a face is considered one of the only things that is inalienable. So when her parents had twins, that was a big problem. They are also all superpowered thanks to some very poorly considered genetic experimentation. They're not nice people on her home planet. Mm -hmm. And so her sister's powers came in first and she was a healer. And then Lily's powers came in and she was a healer too. And that just made the offense of her having her sister's face even worse since her sister was older than she was. And then her sister proved to be the stronger healer, managed to save the life of the planetary president, and they promptly passed laws making twins illegal. So rather than submit to extreme plastic surgery to not look like her sister and possibly be banned from using her powers, Lily left the planet, which is how she really figured out she's not a healer. Mm -hmm. She's a power mimic who amplifies other people's power. And uh, that did not go over well because now her sister, the super awesome healer, can barely handle a bruise and her planet kind of wants her back. And she's decided she'd rather be a criminal than do that. Love it. Makes sense. Shana, how about you? I am playing Emmett Lowe, they, them pronouns. They are a golem, sort of. They were built by Dr. Miriam Lowe, who's a descendant of Rabbi Lowe, who built the golem of Prague, who was, you know, working on recreating his work and more or less succeeded in making just sort of the mindless golem. And then Miriam's lab assistant, Zook Eni, fucked around with the experiment and added some robotics and somehow brought them to life. And, and that's how Emmett showed up. The lab assistant weirdly vanished and Definitely has nothing to do with Aubergine showing up a little bit later. Totally different people. Completely different names. Absolutely. Couldn't couldn't possibly make a connection there. Then suddenly Miriam, who did not want to be a mother, had a child who was actually like a young adult and didn't know what to do with her. So Emmett vanished off to space school because they also didn't really know what to do with themselves since, you know... They're having a lot of feelings about being real or not real. Mm. And are they a golem? Are they a robot? Are they a person? I think I said half robot, half golem, all existential angst. It's relatable. It's important to have relatable characters. Yeah, right? (laughs) And now they're in space at a space school and definitely not planning on being part of a, a space crimes. But, you know, these things happen. Okay. Stephanie, who do you have? These things do happen. So I have brought to the table across gliding, who is Allel. The Allel are one of five sentient species on their pretty chill and ecologically complicated homeworld. The Allel spend most of their time discorporated as sort of meandering clouds of particles who sing songs and, you know, do math together and solve puzzles and take care of trees and stuff. They do take physical form when they want to do things like make more of themselves or, you know, play soccer. Al is, a lot of them have psychic powers, and that's how they hold themselves together. Across is especially good at force fields and projecting force fields. She's also someone who's just into excitement, and she sought excitement and she wanted to see the world. And it turns out that if you are a particle cloud kind of person, and the things you're carrying can enter your cloud and discorporate with you for a while, you can get a job as an interstellar courier. And that's what she does. She also comes with a pet about biting. About biting goes everywhere that across goes. Looks like a pretty big levitating manta ray with big, cute, watery puppy eyes and small claws. Small claws, too. Okay. Little clawslets. And you take them into battle. Yes. They're sharp. Does your alien species go by nicknames? Like, would you, but, or do you say the whole thing the entire time? Across is the given name. Gliding is, is the kind of brood name. Okay. That makes sense. 
Okay, so y'all are on a spaceship together. You you are the crew of it. There was a, a bit that I wanted to dig into a little bit from when we were kind of tossing around ideas, and, and that was the idea that you acquired this spaceship together through accidental theft. And I wanted to pull on that a little bit and, and see if we could kind of get an understanding of what were the circumstances, what brought the three of you together to get this ship? Well, I think I was probably on, you know, a um, tour of some facility. That seems like something students would do in space. This spaceship, we decided it was a hunk of junk. So perhaps a historical vehicle that like probably has some significance, but isn't necessarily supposed to still be in use. Okay. This is on its last legs. And so, and it was in, it's still being used to go from place to place as kind of a, a space bus or a space jalopy. And so at the spaceport, they do give historical tours, but I was on it because as usual, I was being paid to transport something legal, but fishy from place to place. And in this case, it is an actual fish, a giant sentient catfish in a tank called Kafling. Okay. I was going to ask. And Kafling is wanted on the catfish homeworld for blasphemy. I didn't know that when I took the job, but I'm not going to you know, send her back. So when it turned out that the fish police were going to raid the ship, it was time to get off planet with myself and Kafling and whoever else was on it. Of course, we'll be back. We, we always meant to, to come back. This isn't, you know, a five-year journey once Kafling has safely been delivered to a place with no extradition treaty. But, uh, you know, we had to go. I'm doing a job. Okay. Sorry, my cat just stole my knitting. Um, I will be right back. I love that the first horrifying cat intervention was not on my end. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. So I'm officially here as a diplomat from the planet of horrible libertarians. Mm -hmm. That is my purpose on this station. And I have heard news that they are planning to come and retrieve me. I don't like that idea. But I also heard there was someone on, on, on station that was willing to smuggle people. So I was looking for a cross when everything went to hell. So you're following the missed person, trying to figure out how to politely say, hey, can you swallow me for a while? It's not a kink. It's just an evacuation. <laughs> and now the ship is being stolen. Okay. I mean, to be fair, we, we really borrowed it. I have no intention of giving this back, honey. I don't know about you. It's not your ship. It is now. Okay. Am I the audience insert character? <laughs> yes. Hello. Thinking through your, your sentient, sentient catfish problem, this to me seems like a, a very clear reason why you then may have landed in our fair city of New Arcadia, which, as we've kind of explored, has a suspiciously opulent aquarium. And I think that if a catfish were aiming to, you know, lay low for a little while, there's not really a better place in the galaxy where that might happen. So what I think I want to kind of know here, just to get maybe a little personality about your characters, is having landed in New Arcadia, it's got a kind of small spaceport, like this is, you know, it's not New York. Having delivered the fish- To the aquarium. To the aquarium. What's what's your Earth vibes? Like, what are you like, okay, now I'm finally on Earth or back on Earth. When you when we kind of get the panels of you like walking back to your ship, what are you loaded down with or eating or what what was exciting about visiting Earth th this time? And 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 Emmett, why don't I why don't we start with you on this? I am definitely wearing the superhero incognito like 
trench coat, hat, sunglasses look because I do not look like, I mean, I kind of look like a person, but I do not look like a human person. I look like a statue. I am have mixed feelings. I don't think I've been away from Earth quite long enough to have really missed it. So mostly I just don't want anyone to tell my mom I'm around because okay. she might want to talk to me and I don't want to talk to her. They're looking around like suspiciously to make sure no one recognizes you. Okay, I get that. Lily, what's what's exciting about Earth for you? Look at all these people. Some of them are wearing the same thing and nobody's getting stabbed over it. They'll thank <laughs> you. Those were claws and that's my fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to pause here. That was quite a segue. I honestly, it, it, it was really, I did a double take because I wasn't sure where Lily's reaction to Earth ended and Sean's reaction to Elsie began. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, claws and... That, uh, that doesn't sound like an Earth thing. Don't follow me back to the computer. You are on timeout, young lady. <laughs> Cats. They're amazing. I know. So great. Ugh. But so is Neosporin. Yes. Look at all these people. Some of them are wearing the same thing. Ain't nobody getting stabbed. It's amazing. I don't know what those weird birds are. Who owns those? Somebody's got to own those. Somebody owns everything. What do you mean we're just allowed to breathe and we don't have to pay the local air fee? That's ridiculous. Let's take the deepest breaths we can before these people figure out they need to monetize their atmosphere and get the fuck back to the ship because I'm getting a little creeped out by the birds. I like the birds and the birds are fine. None of them talk, which is... One of them is looking at me. It's looking at... It wants my food. It's looking at me. Make it stop. Of course it wants your food. It's a pigeon. Take the food. Here, I, do you want me to handle that for you? Yes. Okay, I take a little tiny bit of your food and throw it really far away so that the pigeon chases it. You are now mobbed by several pigeons. <laughs> right. Then I put up a force field between the pigeons and Lily so that the pigeons cannot get to Lily. Do I need to roll for that? No, no, no. That's, okay. that's, uh, I think. that's good. The birds are okay, although I, I prefer the sentient birds on my planet because their songs have words that you can follow. But the really amazing things here are the physics labs and even even more than that, the perfumes and the spice shops, because there are all of these delicious chemicals that, you know, circulate in the atmosphere. If you like open up a bottle or a jar that just get in there and like we don't have any sumac or like adobo so now what's what's the panel then that is reflecting this love of spices and perfumes like are you like loaded down with them are they are they loaded on about biting it's it's a three panel it's a three panel sequence okay in in one uh, i am in corporeal form which I, i'm wearing a jacket and a long skirt with a lot of pockets mm -hmm. and i i go into Henzies, which is a spice store. Their mascot is a hen. And in another, I discorporate in the store in order to smell all of the things in all the jars. And on the third, About Biting and I are corporeal again, and we are leaving the store having paid with small amounts of precious metals with one of those like 20 little pot gift boxes that Henzies sells. Okay. And there's a clerk behind us who was clearly so freaked out by About Biting that they just accepted a small amount of platinum in payment rather than local currency. So canonically, the fact that you entered their shop discorporated, they weren't freaked out by that, but it was the floating manta ray that, that, 
that's what got them. I mean, it is kind of freaky. This is New Arcadia. Yeah. I think in this particular district, I think this is kayfabe. Yeah. The district that's full of fake things and weird stuff. So people just corporate all the time. Uh, as long as they pay their bill, it's fine. But like about biting's a little, you know, bitey if you haven't met her. All right. So much. It's not the aquarium. I'm just approving of the fact that you paid for your stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think I think uh, the two of you have a lot to learn from Lily about about space crimes. And if you're going to be a space criminal bounty hunter ship, like get on that, people. Come on. Must be nice to be able to smell. Oh, land the guilt on there. <laughs> oh, I wasn't programmed with those senses. We can fix that. Can you? Possibly, yes. I have a move for this. Would you like to be able to smell? Yes. Okay, I have a move for this. You do? We're not in a conflict scene. Okay. What I want to be able to do mechanically here is to draw three cards from my deck of powers. Okay. And see if any of them can be used to construct a kind of smell-o-vision device for Emmett. Taste too, if it's possible. Uh, are, yeah, are you, I want to see what happens. So sure, why not? Okay, <laughs> draw three cards. Smell and taste are related. I know. For hominid bipeds, smell is ninety percent of taste. So that is true. The way this move works, I have a move called "I Can Make It Work," is that I draw three cards from a deck of relevant powers, which are all of the common powers that heroes have in the system, plus all the ones that belong to the cosmic scenario we're playing. And um, at any time, I can describe my hero improvising a use of one of these powers by jury-rigging tech. And I have to roll if I'm making an attack, but I think I can just do it. Yeah, we're kind of in a narrative zone right now. So, okay, so, so let's, yeah, see let's, got. let's see what we got. Invisibility. <laughs> cool. Seismic energy control and light manipulation. Okay, <laughs> I can work with that. So what we're going to do here, Emmett, this has to happen once we get back on the ship and I've got all these little spices. So we've got some circuits and some electromagnetic spectrometers here. And what we're going to do is when you pass a molecule underneath, do you want it in your nose? You might find it really. I think, I think we probably have, you know, again, this is the, the, the over full word balloon uh, of you explaining <laughs> that and sort of Emmett, you know, again, look, trying to look surreptitious, you know, baseball cap probably involved. Heading back to your your ship here, and I, and I think you know you've got you've got the button to to let the uh, the cargo bay door sort of lower down. But again, there's sort of this distraction around across, kind of going in detail about how she's going to construct this. I'm going to make a quick stop and grab a bagel with cream cheese and locks because I have wanted to know what those taste like, and now I'm going to be able to. So. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So, so you've got one. You're like, okay, once, once we get on ship, once so she makes excited. that for me, I'm finally going to figure out like what everyone's deal is about these. Okay. I'm spending the entire time this is going on, just counting the spare change I've collected from the streets as we were walking. <laughs> like I have every street penny in new Arcadia on our, on our ship at this point. <laughs> so I think that the, it is a picture that of the, of the three of you being fairly distracted, which means that when a mostly well, we're going to say partially robotic cat person leaps past you and sort of running on four limbs, jumps up into your spaceship and you, you know, you see like the engines start to come on. They, they kind of have the drop on you at, at that moment and are able to get on there. And you're then realize, okay, my spaceship is being stolen by, as far as I could tell, a cat person with a cybernetic eye it was kind of the most you were able to catch of that. What do you do? It feels in line with what's been happening out of character in this game. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Excuse me, honey. We stole this fair and square. Y'all can stop now. We're just borrowing it. No, we're not. 
Borrowing implies that you intend to return ownership. <laughs> I mean, I do want to finish my degree someday, but... Have we ruled that out? Anyway. Is the door closed now? It's closing. All right. And um, is this a ferrous metal, would you say? Oh, I would say so. Sure. I want to I want to grab the door with my magnetic powers, basically. Okay. Let's uh, let's do a roll for that then. So this is your uh, your magnetic powers, which is your sixty percent power. You're trying to hold this ship down so mm-hmm. y'all can get in on it. So it's a a D one hundred, and you want to get sixty or lower. I got twenty seven. Okay. So describe this then. Uh, that's a success. Cool. What is this like as you're doing this? So it's almost an instinctual thing for me. Like I'm not the most comfortable with these powers because they are very much not part of the normal Gollum power set. And I do kind of, that's what I am. Mm -hmm. I don't really feel like a robot, even though that's why I'm, you know, sentient and everything. But still, I see the door starting to close and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to be stuck on earth with my mom. And I want to be able to smell and taste my bagel. So I'm going to just like reach out with my hands but also with my magnetic powers. And the door just kind of halts where it is instead of continuing to close. Lily, across, you have an opportunity here. What do we see from you? Let's go to uh, Lily first. I'm going to go ahead and just mimic across's particle form to get my ass onto the ship because you don't steal my stuff. Fuck you, my stuff. (laughs) So power mimicry is my first power. Is that my 60%? Your your top power would be 80. Okay, that's my 80 and that is a 48. So I just kind of shimmer and then break apart into, into pecs and go into the ship. Okay. How far is my range? Like, do I drop back into solid form as soon as I'm inside, or can I continue mimicking within 50 yards, or, or how does that work? Yeah, so the the way that Spectaculars describes it is that all of the uses of powers are essentially instantaneous, by default. Mm -hmm. So I think this is particle form. You could get in and then you're sort of back corporeal. There are ways that you can spend time tokens for certain powers to extend them. Okay, cool. Let's let's get you kind of in the cockpit here and uh, across. Are you kind of following behind on that? Yes. Okay. I, I also discorporate along with the box of spices and my clothing and about biting and we're all in there. Okay. So sitting at in the pilot seat is again this cat person. Their fur is a little matted. They look like they've kind of fallen on some fairly hard times in the past month or so. They do have these cybernetic implants. They seem very shiny and beyond actually sort of tech that maybe you recognize from your current uh, current time. There's sort of some future vibes on this. And Lily, your power mimicry kind of flares up a little bit. You could mimic the cybernetic enhancements power, uh, technically, if, if it comes to that. This person is 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 sort of punching at 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 buttons on the controls, like you know, whispering stuff. Like, gotta get, gotta get there. Come on, uh, we can do this. I know I can do this. I gotta get. And they have you see on the ship's monitor that there is a distress sort of beacon warning that they have they have brought up. Uh, in other words, sort of charting out there is a, a distress call that has happened somewhere out in space. They have locked onto this and are trying to pilot the ship sort of towards there. That's what you see. What do you do? I would think well of your attempts to get to a distress beacon if it didn't involve stealing my stuff. I don't really believe in the element of surprise. The element of surprise is not useful unto me. (laughs) You have nevertheless completely startled them. And 
they're they're kind of afraid. They were again hoping to just steal. Like they didn't have the the plan B of like what happens if stealing it was not good in in a clean go. And so they're they're kind of shying away from you. And they say, "I'm I'm I'm sorry, but I need this. I've got I've got to get out there. There's I I gotta go. I'm sorry. Is this your ship? I'm, I guess. I mean, can I have it? I'm s- sorry. Hi. Hi. But no. Perhaps you can let us know what you would like to do with it, and then we can decide whether we will take you with us to your destination. And while I say that, I am projecting force fields that, if it works, come in between the cat person and the ship controls, so that if they reach out to try to touch anything, they will find invisible barriers that prevent them from pushing any buttons. I don't think you have to roll for that. You sort of, like, they're little, you know, claw hands, whatever. Uh, uh, Okay, uh, all right, yeah, no, I'll come. So I'm from space, and, and I've been trapped on this planet, and I've been monitoring the frequencies and hi i'm i'm l by the way uh there's there's a call out and and i need to i need to go find them and i need i need to help them because because they need help and you only had the spaceship the only spaceship around and and so you get the sense they're not like entirely telling the truth regarding their motivations hmm. um but are at least sort of again latching on to hey there's someone out in space who needs help I want to go to them. I assume I've gotten back. I've gotten on the ship by now, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so, Emmett. So you're sort of lumbering, lumbering in. I've I've flopped in. Like, ugh, must be nice to be able to incorporate to become incorporeal, incorporeal. <laughs> is this going to be a pattern of you just like guilting everyone else about their own powers? <laughs> Look, Jewish guilt is a thing. Jewish guilt. <laughs> Jewish guilt, Goldblum. That's my that's my fourth power, actually. Yeah, we all say that Emmett is a mag- master of magnetism, but really, Emmett is a master of guilt. I'm taking them <laughs> back to my home planet to give my parents a stern talking to. I would. Perhaps, Elle, uh, beautiful name, by the way, you can tell us who them might be and what they appear to need so that we can know more about whether, for example, it's a trap. And whether or not y'all will pay us. We do like getting paid. They say, well, I, I don't, um, this isn't really for me, but it's for, well, I think once you hear this, you probably are going to want to help them. And so what we're going to do is we have here in Spectaculars, when certain things come up in the setting, there is a book of setting elements and we get to, as a table, define that part of our setting and sort of answer some questions about it. This distress beacon is coming from what the setting book calls the space police force. And we can kind of define things to either go with or against that particular name. I'm going to read out some questions and we'll sort of go around and define this interstellar law enforcement organization. The game kind of gives hints of like, oh, this is maybe kind of like the Nova Corps or the Green Lantern Corps. What is that in our setting? And so first question is, what kinds of beings make up the space police force. There's aliens from a thousand worlds, representatives from a single world, artificially engineered beings, or other. Is there anything that sort of is sparks for you? Artificially engineered beings. Oh, okay. I'm going to have feelings. That's good. All right. So we have an interstellar space force of artificially engineered beings. Now, what are they like? And Stephanie, why don't you take this? Uh, we've got police professionals, lone space rangers, Knights errant or undercover agents? They believe that they are knights errant. They enforce their own code of justice. 
mm-hmm. whenever they discover an anomaly or what they consider an injustice. And they have a light enough touch that the various planets and sentient races haven't tried to take them down. They generally preserve order and don't sort of crush dissent. Mm-hmm. But they're unpredictable and nobody really completely understands what will set them off. Okay. So artificially created, light touch knights errant. Shannon, who do they answer to? Now the prompts here are a single planet's government, a council of overseers, the star empire, or a cosmic entity or other. Cosmic entity. That's why my family, my planet hates them so much. Oh, there you go. Okay. Shitty libertarians. We don't like the law. Okay. So yes, cosmic entity entity probably has uh, hopefully less than libertarian views or else then we have uh, got our own problems. (laughs) Yeah. We we would know by now if my planet was the one that was in the right. (laughs) All right. And so then here's a question for the table. What is their name? What is the name of this organization? I'm not supposed to say what my planet calls them in polite company, so I don't actually know. (laughs) They call themselves the facilitators. Okay. The name we use for them also starts with the letter F. Yes, it would. All right, excellent. So we have here our space police force, our facilitators. And so kind of cutting back into this scene, Elle says, it's it's a facilitator ship. And I mean, if they're in distress, like I'm kind of duty bound to help them back. And I, I mean, I don't know about payment, but like, don't, don't you want the facilitators on your side? Right. That's got to be worth something. What are the facilitators? And this is where we would insert all that exposition for the audience. Uh, across would actually say to you, they are mysterious, mystical robot space police who are right more than half the time. OK. And they're fuckers what they are wait uh lily yeah i know that where you're from they monetize everything and the facilitators have had some problems with that yeah do you personally this is across asking you do you personally loathe the facilitators i don't loathe them but they say that they're maintaining galactic law they say that they're making sure things are okay and on my home planet they let them kill kids because they look wrong I'm not down with this idea that they're hands-off when it might upset people, but they're hands-on when it's convenient for them. So I'm kind of still on team, not the facilitators here. Maybe if we save some facilitators, you might be able to tell them why they need to, you know... Be a little more interventional? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't last five minutes where you're from. It, it, it seems bad. It is bad, but if you'd last more than five minutes, they'd bottle you up in at least 90 jars, honey. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be very valuable on the open market. Nobody would be snorting you that quick. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a compliment, <laughs> but I think we should go find the facilitators so you can make your case to them because you and I aren't going to prevent the people on your money everything planet from killing kids because they look wrong, but a whole bunch of inconceivably powerful space robots... That's true. Let's go help them and you can, you know. Yell at them a lot. Maybe they'll feel a cosmic debt. This seems very optimistic about space robot cops. I mean, well, at least they're not the fish police. I mean, I don't know them because I'm from Earth, but we on Earth don't always have great luck with cops. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm skeptical about this idea. Maybe it's different in space. Maybe maybe space robot magic cops are better, but... Seems unlikely. That's where I'm sitting. So you think we should ignore the distress call? 
I didn't say that. I mean, what are they distressed about? We don't know. Anything that can distress them is likely to distress us too. So Al says, oh, well, there's there's kind of an, an, an audio clip and and they kind of try to hit a button on the uh, on the ship to play it, but then like run into one of the force fields oh, and look fine, over to you fine, across. Fine, fine. You still can't take off without our say-so, but you can play some audio. Okay, okay. And so they, they, they push it and it's very garbled and... The words that you can make out are that there is, you hear kind of like infestation and earth and collision. Well, you didn't like this planet anyway, honey. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to save earth. I'm here to save the facilitators, but you might save, you're from, I I think that they look around and to see like, which of you is obviously from earth and just like drawing three blanks. But I mean, (laughs) maybe you have an affection for this place i am from earth yes actually there you go and you seem to be i mean i'm getting i'm getting an artificially created vibe is all so like maybe you and the facilitators like maybe there could be a thing there i reach into my my partially discorporated sack and take out a vanilla bean and a fijua and a garlic clove and i say we can't let these things be destroyed we have to save them I guess we should check it out. I mean, again, I, I'm not sure I trust them, but I also, if it has to do with Earth, I would rather know. I believe in the majority. I, I, I don't really feel like letting El here pilot. No. Maybe El can give us the coordinates and one of us can take the ship there. Yeah, I mean, are, are you even letting them stay on the ship? That's also an open question. Sure. Yeah, I'm okay with it. May as well. They do look like a cat. About likes them. That's good. Honey, About likes the pigeon. Does Elle have a tail? Yes. About has been swiping at Elle's tail with like her flappy things. And Elle has been very, is Elle chill with that? No, uh, completely annoyed. Oh, About, About. And then I say to Elle, she likes you. Her full name is About Biting. Yeah. Okay, well, that's actually, I don't know. Maybe I, I can get on board with that at least. I mean, you're already on board. Scene <laughs> there. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So you you get the you get the coordinates. You know, from the distress call. You know, can triangulate these things. And so I don't I don't know. I don't think we need to go too much in sort of the the interlude. But actually, let's let us get to the bagel scene. I mean, this is uh, you know importantly foreshadowed. We want to see that bagel get out. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So let, let's cut into this. What is what does it look like? Emmett to have this device on you. So is it like an internal device or is it like I have a, like a little scent module that I can attach? Are you asking me? Yeah. Well, you built it. Uh, it, it goes, you, I gave you a device that could scan small bits of food or other things that have smells and you could put it wherever you want. You can stick it onto where your nose would be. Or if you want, you can put it on your elbow or your belly button or, I mean, you're the... I don't think I have a belly button. You're the golem. You're made of clay. Stick it where you want. I was expecting the nose, frankly. Yeah, the nose is where I will stick it. Uh, So I'm going to, like, take the bagel and just take a moment, like, smelling it and being like, this is a very strong sense because I don't think... Because if you're not... If you've never smelled anything, locks is a hell of a place to start. (laughs) Going right to expert mode on this. (laughs) Then I'm, I'm going to take a, a bite and I'm going to be like, okay, this is really interesting. I mean, I don't totally know what to feel about it because it's the first thing I've tasted. But I also know that like, it's something that, you know, my family that I've met at least likes them and has talked about them a lot. And I've always wanted to taste it. So I'm like, I think I like this. This, this is, this is 
interesting texturally and smell-wise. I should taste some other things. Just lick stuff, honey. It's what the rest of us do. I'm not sure it works that way on my planet. <laughs> cut, cut, o- cut over to L, like grooming themselves. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Try licking about. Tastes like seafood. Have Have you licked about? <laughs> I do not comment at this time. <laughs> about is like flapping and likes the attention. She's just like, yeah, yeah. I am going to try to at least pet about's back, which may or may not end with snapping, bite snapping. No, no. About knows when to bite and when not to bite because she's all about biting. Uh-huh. She loves it. She's arching her back a little bit as she levitates. To be fair, I don't think biting would hurt me, but it would probably be awkward. You would taste good. It might it might hurt biting to bite you. Yes. Yeah. Sort of the, yeah, okay. So you're getting in range of this facilitator ship. And I think that they they don't go around with a whole lot of people, right? There might be one or two facilitators and maybe some su- support folks. So it's, it's not a gigantic vessel. And this is out past the asteroid belt, kind of, but in, in the solar system. And as you're starting to get the visuals on this ship, it's clearly in some amount of distress. Normally, you know, we think of like, you know, you just sort of imagine your, your, your enterprise flying by and like all the lights and sort of that kind of thing. And you're like, oh yeah, it's a happy, lots of things happening there. This is like what lights might be coming out of what spaceship windows are flickering or just dark. The engine is burning. It is certainly like, like burning in the sense of propelling. It is certainly heading towards earth somewhat purposefully, but you know, it's clearly like, you're like, okay, open question as to whether life support is happening on this thing. Um, they are not responding if you try to hail on comms. So again, not a completely dead ship, but is very suspicious. So I think, I think L kind of sort of their last hook on this is like, all right, well, we're approaching. So um, how does this ship, can this ship dock? Like, how are we going to get down there? How would you all get down there? I'm pretty sure I can survive the vacuum of space. We were a bus, so we can probably dock. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't expect a bus that can't dock is going to have a lot of passengers. <laughs> no. We can't contact them, though, right? We can't say, hey, prepare to be boarded, or hey, we're docking, or hey, slow down, dudes. No, there's there's no response when you're hailing them. Okay, we're just going to have to try to match velocity to them, come alongside them, and join them without without their consent and just go through the wall and set up a temporary airlock for Lily and about who would prefer to breathe. I would like to go on the record as saying that this is a wonderful idea and cannot possibly go wrong and result in all of our horrible deaths. I'll probably be fine. Think of the upside. And it'll be fine. I'm actually from the future. So from my perspective, you all have already died. So I think you're doing well for the day. You might have said you were from the future 15 minutes ago when you tried to steal our fucking ship, Cat. L? Yeah. If you're from the future? Yeah. Did your future spaceships tell you anything useful about how to dock with a moving object? They handled that. Honestly, my primary area of study is touch screens. Okay. But yeah, you know, you you do you. I can use my magnetic powers. I feel like this is a place where they would come in handy. Yes, please. Yeah, I mean, looking over y'all's skills... Across, you are a courier, and therefore you do have the skill of drive or fly. So I think if you're trying to like match velocity and and kind of dock into this thing, 
that's probably where I would go. Number one, this seems like your responsibility. Mm-hmm. I am the one who does most of the driving. I do need to sleep. So everybody takes a turn at the controls, but uh, I am the, the primary driver. So I'm going to roll for that, right? Okay, it's an 80%. So we're, we're trying to get the ship for a non-crashy docking situation. I think. Non-crashy docking situation. Non-crashy. And that is a oof, 78. Ooh. Just made it. Yeah, all right. Will very strong magnetic powers help with this or lead to us pancaking ourselves? Well, so you've you've matched velocity. You're like lining up there. But now there's no one on their side to do the docking stuff. You know, there's like maybe like a bridge or something that would come out and kind of attach with your airlock. There's no one on their side to operate that. So that's that's part two then. How are you going to make a, a, a bridge that anyone other than Emmett could go across? So can perhaps with the augmenting, would my magnetic powers be fine enough to like activate it as opposed to just go? Uh, I think that's a question for the dice. Okay. Kind of wishing I had made magnetics one of my more major powers now. Did not plan that one out. Yeah. So actually, no, I want to see. Let's let's roll on the augmentation first. Four. A four. All right. Absolutely. So now how when you augment someone, what is what does that look like? That just kind of looks like looking very serious. We're going to do the bad telepath pose. Look very serious. (laughs) This started up when I was trying desperately to make my own powers work and just focusing way too hard. Mm -hmm. Just kind of glaring at Emmett. You know, given that Lily walks through life looking like she smelled something bad and kind of wants to stab everything around her, now she looks like she just wants Emmett's head to melt. But at this point, Emmett's seen that before and is not going to take that as personally as they might have in the beginning. Thanks. Just the, would you like me to glare at you for a little while? Sure, that'd be great. Cool, cool. Great, great glare. Should I roll mine now? Yeah, so you're you're feeling like this, um, you know, that that this, the, your, your powers are stronger. So um, I, I'd like to actually add two advantage dice to this. Ooh. Yeah, um, we're going to start bringing these in here. The black ones? Uh, no, these are, these are the... The white ones. Yeah, the white ones. And uh, that's color scheme we we can comment on later but all right i got a 44 and two of the advantage marks i think the non-blank sides yes so those are called boons and you're awesome right now yes i think that so most of the kind of the advantages you get from boons are going to come up in in conflict scenes but i think that one of them here is to gain additional insight into an enemy and part of these insights, uh, it's a little bit of a virtuous cycle because if you are then able to describe using things that you've learned or sort of clever ways of doing things, you can then get more advantage dice sort of in future roles. So as you're using your magnetic powers to pull I, I, the, you know, the, the bridge across uh, for this kind of docking maneuver, you're able to to tell both sort of from, from the fields and and visually, as you're you're being stared at and you are yourself staring out, that there has been some kind of unusual damage to the physical parts of this ship. That sort of pieces of of the ship or the the mechanisms, like there will be a chunk kind of like missing from the middle of you know of like a like a long bar of metal, just just almost like a, a weird area of it, just kind of gone. It feels like it's it's stripped for parts, but in a incredibly haphazard and almost nonsensical or 
I think we'll, we'll leave it at that. Is there, strip for parts in a way that does not necessarily make logical sense, both in why they took this or how they took it in the first place. All right. So kind of setting up a little bit of your uh, maybe expectations for what you might find on this ship. But you've got the bridge across. I will communicate that. Yeah, I'll be like, yeah, this, this ship feels like it's been taken apart weirdly and parts are missing. I don't understand which or why. And I don't think it's just because I'm not familiar with space. It seems exceptionally weird. Emmett? Mm-hmm. You, you're like a, you've done a lot of studying, right? Like, you know some stuff? Yeah, I'd say so. I am a student. Can you, like, do some research in your memory bank? Can I research in my memory bank? Does that count? I do have that as a skill. Um, but I don't know if I, that, it says research something, but I don't, um, I don't, like, have Wikipedia in my head. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and canonically, you are mostly an Earth individual. So I, I yeah. think that you probably would not have much. If we find their computers, I can probably do something, but not without anything to look through. I'm going to suggest you stay here on the ship, honey. One of us was going to have to stay here anyway, because if L has somebody lurking on that ship, going to come and take it and leave us stranded on this floating death trap, that's good. But there's stuff in space eats metal. And, and honey, I don't know if you've noticed recently... Um, but that's you. I'm actually... There's lots of stuff in, in space eats flesh, too, but we grow it back. I mean, I'm actually clay, not metal, but... There's metal in the clay, that, The half-robot thing threw me. I've got wires. Well, then I'm staying on the ship because there's things in space eat flesh. Somebody got to stay here. I'm going on the floating death trap over there because I am a cloud of particles that finds it really easy to get out of danger if, if that happens. All right. I do want to go on the ship because I have protagonist syndrome and also because, I mean, it is about Earth and I, I do want to... Is it I'm the one who's kind of most invested in Earth. <laughs> All right. Do we have the airlock established already? That happened? I, I would say you do. I also say I don't have much prepped for not going on the ship. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm going in now. Sort of as a, I, as I, a conceit. I go, I go right in. That's fair, but I mean, you don't leave your only way out completely unguarded. This is also true. So that's that is then the question of how how how, how would you prep the ship to be to be comfortable leaving it there as as you all kind of go and investigate. We had been discussing the ship being somewhat self-aware. Mm -hmm. Does it have enough of a self-awareness routine that we can tell it just don't let anyone else steal you till we come back? Yeah, I think that you know, I believe you do have a, a uh, convincing is something that your character can do. Um, just, you know, sweetie, I know we stole you, but I also know we're nicer to you than the people that had you before you. And the people that would be stealing you from us are not going to be nicer to you. Can you agree not to be stolen by anyone but us till we come back? Um, would you like me to roll? Yeah, actually, why don't, why don't you do that? And that's a 65. Okay, so that's well, well underneath your 90. I think the ship's response is that's that's affirmative, but um, how do I know that it's you who would be stealing me again and not someone else? If it is us that are stealing you again, we will be accompanied by that weird floating fish pancake. Hey. Can you pick up the weird floating fish pancake? Hey. Gotcha. Yes. Pancakes only. Pancakes only. <laughs> and the bobheads that accompany them. About is now our ship's engine key. So uh, keep the car key with you. All right, honey. About flaps happily. Thank you, About. You are very important to this party. Please don't get eaten by space zombies. So what are you doing with Elle? I think we're taking her with us. We're not leaving her on our ship. Yeah, they're sort of stealing themselves. and like, all right, 
Elle's like, okay, I don't want to do this, but also realizing like it was their plan to do this in the first place. And sort of like that is kind of now registering that like once you respond to the distress beacon, that that's only part one. Um, so <laughs> they really are a cat person. <laughs> part two is the shitty part. Now, come on, honey. Out of the box. Oh, no. I pushed the thing off off the table and now it broke. <laughs> Look, here comes a consequence, consequence, consequence. <laughs> All right. Okay, so as you are boarding this ship and, you know, again, crossing over and and possibly even forcing your way in, you get that renewed sense of this ship is not, not acting the way it should. And power is, for the most part, out in most of what you're able to tell. There are some very emergency lighting things that are on. There are some computer screens along the walls that are, for the most part, they're off. You know that some parts of the ship have power. Again, enough of it is is operational that it's able to be making a collision course for Earth. But certainly where you are right now, you're not seeing that. It is flickering light darkness. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Kind of some kind of some horror movie vibes. You know, might be some jump scares, that kind of thing coming on later. You don't know where in this ship you necessarily need to go, but there is a facilitator who, at least at the time of putting out that distress call, is alive. And that is right now kind of your your best lead. So how how do you how are you proceeding now in this in this ship? I'm gonna let Emmett go first. Yeah. Sorry, Emmett. No, no, it's fair. I mean, that's what I'm built for, literally. I'm soft and squishy. <laughs> I, I'm happy to go first, though. Um, wouldn't mind some force field being at least at the ready. I'll come with you. Cool. I'll come with you. I mean, we're traveling in a pack. This is just marching order. Right. So I'll go first. And we probably want L to be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> right there. I think that if if you if you start to get uh, leave them a little too behind, they're they're definitely going to sort of run up and not be the last one, if possible. Actually, interesting question. If I can tell that I could mimic their cybernetic enhancements, can I tell what they do? Can I use power mimicry to tell what someone else's powers do? Oh, honestly, I think this is a question for you and kind of the flavor of power mimicry for you. Like, is it is it accidental or do you kind of know what you're doing when you're doing it? I think once I figured out that that's what I was doing, I do know what I'm doing. So in order to not like nuke everyone because I borrowed the wrong power and don't understand how to control it, there's got to be at least a certain amount of comprehension. Mm-hmm. But can I tell the party what L is capable of? Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's let me let me look up what they have on the card here for this. Okay, so the the card uh, gives uh, gives very little guidance. So then I'm just going to go with what I know of L. It's a lot of sensory stuff, enhanced, you know, one enhanced eye, some enhanced cognition and reflexes. There are sort of interfaces that with with computers that are not around, you know, sort of like too far future, but they're you know sort of built to be working in concert with with other machines that aren't out there. But at least sort of baseline, yeah, you you can you have the enhanced senses and cognition sort of aspects. All right. It looks like our kitty cat friend here um has the standard enhanced senses package and can probably see in the dark. Would either of y'all like to be able to see in the dark? Would that help? Probably. Yeah. Ella's yeah. looking incredibly scared right now. Like like I'm not taking together- your eyes out, <laughs> Kitty. It's all right. They're yours. Okay, okay. We're just committing copyright infringement. Oh, okay, okay, sure. Okay, can I mimic and project onto one person? 
I think the mimicry part is is for you. So I I don't know if you could give their powers to someone else, but you could certainly take them for yourself. So I'll just mimic to myself. And be like we we need to be able to see in the dark. I'll come forward with Emmett. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. It's cool. I can like stand a little bit in front. Good. Just tell me before I walk into anything. So I want to know what this panel looks like. What is what is mimicking? Sorry, my cat is not. My own cat is now knocking things off. This well, I've great. developed <laughs> another cat. Oh, no. <laughs> like literally a fifth cat has appeared in my living space. I looked up and there's a cat that was not there before. I feel like it's relevant that the uh, acronym for this adventure module is CATS because yep. that has been amusing <laughs> me. Falling into I, That is what they've been like. So basically all of Lily's powers involve glaring at people. Even on her planet, she did not have a huge number of friends. Uh, but in this case, it's glaring at people and then taking on a certain, like a bad copyright infringement version of what that looks like. Okay. So fakey My Little Ponies. She's not going to get full on metal, mm-hmm. but what she's going to get is sort of a weird pattern of what if somebody just painted a cybernetic eye on you with really badly designed body paint? The artist hates us every time she does this to someone physical. Once she mimicked the Hulk and she looked like the jolly green giant, it was not okay. Oh my God. To be fair, that's the Hulk already looks like the jolly green giant. <laughs> oh, no, I mean the one from the cartoon. Ho, ho, ho. Oh. Yep. And oh. just to make it worse, we will finally settle on, I'm going to go with basically the core from Magic the Gathering. So they are they are white people. In the sense of Hepzibah white. Okay. They are white-skinned, white-haired people, which just makes this look even more ridiculous when she does anything physical because you've got a sh- clean sheet of paper to scribble on. Mm. Let the record show that we now have a Starjammers reference. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. And L, having not been glared at before, is probably not enjoying this experience. I'm also going to take on my, I don't know if this is a role, but um, I'm going to be in sort of my bigger, I transform into my more like, battle form of just kind of being looking more like a traditional golem than just sort of a person okay do i roll for that or do i just no i think that's that's a narrative thing and you want me to roll uh so no for taking the taking the powers uh you don't have to okay cool so sort of at your at your 60 percent slot you now have cybernetic enhancements well nice and i will just drop this into um into the discord i think probably the easiest way so you can see the power for that if it comes up right now i'm just using it to see better so yep i would like to to do something that is a role okay yeah so so everyone's getting in their battle mode and what are you doing cross as a courier i have the ability to watch for trouble nice and I would like to use that ability to see where the trouble might be. I'm looking in particular for anything dangerous and for perhaps a wounded or short-circuited facilitator. Okay, so I'll certainly give you like a situational awareness kind of thing. You, This, this isn't like oh, I know which deck the person is on that I need to get to. But yeah, let's let's roll for this to kind of see as you are doing your exploring in this ship. That is a 65% roll. Okay. That is a 20. Okay. So have I detected anything by just using my sense of where stuff is? So you are you are now watching for trouble. And so as then the four of you are proceeding through this ship, I think there is a, there is a time when you just like call, call, you know, stop everyone short. And you're kind of at like a T intersection, like, you know, good, like 30 feet away or whatever from sort of this seeing another kind of hallway perpendicular in front of you. And you you see kind of scuttling by 
ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Again, perpendicular, going from one side of the hallway to the other. It doesn't notice you. This creature that is probably spread about four to five feet tall Ew. and seems to be made of parts of this ship in an incredibly sort of haphazard way. Like like a chunk of, you know, faux wood paneling and a piece of pipe. And those things are sort of almost floating around, but in a way that is making kind of a body. A little bit of, of sort of the, like the picture vibe we get of, of like some sort of almost like wisp or spectral thing in the core and then being given a corporeal affect by these pieces of this ship. And again, it's not sensible or or sort of forethought. It seems kind of random, but it does look sinister. We'll give that one out. And this is sort of your sense of like, okay, this might be what's infesting in this ship, these strange things. And they're they're pulling apart the ship in order to kind of make their bodies. And again, one of them goes scuttling in front of you, um, far off, doesn't notice you. And that is the trouble that you have seen. And that is what you're going to want to watch out for. Ten. Do we have the ability to engage this thing or did it go foosh and then out of view into some like heating duct? I mean, if you want to fight, I'm not going to stop you. Like, so what's your reaction? Let's, I mean, let's, let's sort of put it like that. So weird thing goes in front. You see it down the hallway again, across you kept everyone from like stumbling into it accidentally. But, uh, what's, what's your vibe? What do you do? Hmm. We have a giant rolled up newspaper to smack it. I do not want to fight poltergeist caddisflies. Let's go home. No, <laughs> no. We, we don't want these on Earth. That would be bad. We don't want, no, we don't want these on Earth. Does this thing seem more like a like a, a, a four foot tall, like malevolent spirit that takes things apart? Or is it more like you've got like a, they're like space groundhogs that just scuttle by and they don't seem coordinated or sentient? Or do I not know? I, I don't, so... I would say that there's not a sense of of sentience, right? It's it's not like going and like looking around or having conversations or whatever. It, it is also like the spirit part is is very much more sort of small. It has built a, a chunk of its body, but again, those chunk pieces are floating ish. Well, then it's it's catch and release time. I'm gonna go after it with a force field and just try to to put it in one of those non harmful traps, like a force field that's like they're gonna. Like if it very much like if you're trying to trap a, a woodchuck in your garden where you just put a box and hope it runs into the box. Okay. The goal is not to harm it, but to contain it. All right. That, that is a force field. Yeah. And you're going to get some disadvantage dice on this because if you're sort of running and it is, it is moving and you're trying to trap it with force field and also, Hey, you know, the lights are weird. I would like you to, to roll a disadvantage die okay. along with the other stuff. Uh, I'm going to call as I do this. we got space groundhogs. Well, that's great. I love that. Um, okay, I'm using a force field, and that is an 80% power. And if, if I catch it, I'm going to want to make it long-lasting. Okay. And uh, that is a 24 and a disadvantage. Okay, so you did get you did get the, the disadvantage. All right, so let me just mm-hmm. look on a little sheet here for what to do with that. I'm going to put two time tokens on this because I have to use two time tokens for that. We're not in an action scene, so that part we don't necessarily need. Okay. It just says the force field lasts until the end of the scene if I put two time tokens on it. So very cool. Space Groundhog is in the trap and the trap will stay trappy. Okay. So what, what's going on? I'm going to bank that disadvantage, actually. Ooh. You got a thing in a force field. It, like it, it's, it sort of tries to move and it rams into this invisible thing and it's seems somewhat confused by that and starts tapping and sort of trying to understand like what is containing it. 
And once it's done that enough, it just starts slamming more and more into the side of the force field. Hey, hey, friends, I got I caught a space groundhog here. That That's a great idea. Antagonizing that thing is absolutely genius, honey. Bless your heart. Emmett, how much do y'all charge for funerals on Earth? <laughs> <laughs> I do not know that answer. You're our Earth expert. Give me a number because that's what we're going to be paying real soon. Anybody want to come help see how we can, you know take the the, sticky groundhog everybody the 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 space groundhog is has been collecting spaceship parts and and that's where the parts have gone so maybe we want to take the parts off the space groundhog and glue them back into the spaceship so that you know no one you just hear l whisper like whoever's like near them it's just like that's not how spaceships work yeah i was just thinking honey do do you do a lot of spaceship maintenance because i don't think you get to fix our engine no more (laughs) you'd be surprised i actually trade for that how much glue is holding the spaceship together i pull out a tube of space glue and show it to you not even duct honey honey it says space glue oh my god I'm i'm the tech wizard mechanically according to the rules of the game have the ability to like know how to hold stuff together in space that's totally fair well you know if i'm dead out here my family's got to pay for the funeral and the import fleas on my body that'll cost them a lot i could bankrupt those fuckers let's go (laughs) (laughs) way to look on the bright side well um emmett you got that magnetism can you just start pulling things off the space groundhog and see how it reacts can it reach through a force field uh I think so. I mean, it's magnets. It can reach through a lot of things. Let me try that. This is definitely the weirdest thing I've ever used my magnetism on. I'm rotating the force field so that the groundhog, unless the groundhog can, like, fly, won't be able to get out. But you can pull things off with your magnetism out the top of the trap. I do want to just sort of kind of so we're on the on the same page sensorily. Groundhog, perhaps in a behavioral sense, but like there is nothing adorable or fuzzy (laughs) or anything about the creature that you have trapped in this. It is much more jagged and industrial and uh, unsettling, I think, than Groundhog. So you can keep calling Groundhog, that's fine. But for our listeners and for all of us at the table, kind of are on the same page here. Is it invisible besides the metal parts or can we see it? Or like, is it just that many metal parts? I think that like if you squint and sort of stare closely, and flickering lights are not helping with this um, for the non-augmented among you, you get a sense that there is something in the middle. And it's it's almost like like a like a mirage little bit, or just like, you know, the 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 dead spot in your eye. Like you can't quite see it, but you can tell that it is there, kind of. Lily, are you picking up any specific powers from these things? That's a good question. Do I feel like there's anything I could mimic? So, no. Okay. At least mechanically. Uh, these are minions, and so don't fall under that power. Nope, that's that's totally fine. I, I can I can see that something's there, but it, it's like those pigeon things. You know, I could not look at a pigeon thing and mimic the power of flying or the power of being a shitty little freeloader or the power of eating my cheeseburger. <laughs> um, so... This thing. I mean, you did eat your cheeseburger, so. It, it ain't a piece of my cheeseburger. I did not like that. I did not like that at all. No. Uh, Lily? Yeah. Lily? Yeah. Can I help? It, it just seems like you're not liking a lot of things, and space is supposed to be fun. I mean, all this horrible creature's like banging against the walls of an invisible barrier behind you. No one is paying me to have fun, all right? I am not having any fucking fun. I am gonna not touch that thing. Emmett? 
take it apart. Okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to start with like one piece. All right, take it apart. So just roll a magnet roll. Yeah, let's do a magnet roll. Let's see what happens. Okay, I got a 16. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with just taking like one of the metal pieces off. Something that looks more loose, if I can tell, like. Something that doesn't, I'm like, I'm like Jenga towering it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it all fall apart because I don't know what's going to happen. So you you pull one of these and and you feel some resistance, right? It's being held. And you are able able to overcome that resistance and and pull, you know, it's a, a piece of like interior hull or whatever off. And as it comes away, there's again, that, that tugging and it's, Part of it almost sort of stays behind and vaporizes is, I think, the the closest way to describe it. And so your sense then is not necessarily that this has just been like suspending these pieces in midair, but was kind of holding on to them or or almost more at the molecular kind of level. And so you are able to finally give that tug that does do the separation. And then there's almost like a fine dust as what it was latching on to is sort of like come, comes away. So is it like, does it look like it has like a bite taken out of it? It, it would be much, it would be much subtler than that, I would say. It, like an abrasion kind of thing. Like if you pulled a price tag off something? I, yeah, that's actually a very good visual element. What does the piece of metal I pulled off look like? Is it visibly um, damaged? If you studied it, you'd be like, okay, this this part over here seems to have been abraded or worn away or, or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You got a piece of it off. And and I think that like it, it reacts and it's not, again, it's hard to read this thing's interdimensional alien body language with the weird body that it's made out of things it found. But it's not necessarily a, a pain response, but it is almost like like a panic confusion like hey you took my thing sort of that's the flailing that you see of this this thing okay i want to know more about these creatures i'm curious and tend to give weird space animals the benefit of the doubt although this one seems creepy is there any way that i can find out more about whether they can be controlled whether they can act like sled dogs for a bad guy whether they just need to be destroyed. Any information about these guys? How would you try to learn that? Well, seems like, Lily, are you about to... No, 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 I was... She's just looking appalled. I'm just looking appalled at the idea. You're not vocalizing this, so she's not doing anything. Okay, okay. Um, I would look around for software that Emmett could then plug into and get information from. Okay. I don't have an exterior plug. I can furnish you one. I can make it work. There, I mean, there are computer terminals down the hallways. They're all powered off. So you could try to find a place that maybe still has power. Okay. Can I look for a place that still has power so that Emmett can use the ability to learn stuff quickly from software to find out what is up with these things and whether we need to pulverize them, befriend them, well, coat, paint them yellow? So what are you going to do with the one you have trapped? Because there's no power here. So you're going to need to go somewhere else. Keep it force fielded. All right. I will drop the eyesight, pick up the force fields, and take over the fucking force field. And please don't give me your disadvantage for mimicking your power that has a disadvantage currently teed to it. Okay? So I'm going to try to use power mimicry to take the force field and do it in a handoff. Okay. Is that roll twice or roll once? Let's let's roll once on this, I think. Okay. 61. Yeah, I think that's it's like like a like a one, two, three, force field drops, new force field comes up. Yep. I've got the force field. 
All right. All yours. Yay, thanks. That's just what I always wanted. Very own metal groundhog. All right, let's leave it there for this week. Come back next week to meet the mysterious figure at the heart of these events and find out if anyone makes it off of this spaceship alive. This run, we've been playing Spectaculars, designed by Rodney Thompson and published by Scratchpad Publishing. You can find more information about the game at scratchpadpublishing.com. Team Up Moves is a production of Fiona Hopkins and Stephanie Burt, copyright 2023. You can find us on Twitter as at Team Up Moves, Mastodon as Team Up Moves at Dice.camp, and at our website, teamupmoves.com. If you go to that website, you can find all of our episodes and also sign up for a free email newsletter, which comes out between runs and has behind-the-scenes info, setting details, and some stuff that Steph and I have been reading, listening to, playing, etc. Our theme music is Play by Sleepyhead. Find more of their music at sleepyheadrockband.com. Finally, don't forget to leave those reviews, tell your friends about the show, that kind of thing. Building an audience is hard, and you can be a part of it. So if you like the show, please let someone else know. Thanks, pals.